What's up, everyone, and welcome back to the Mediaverse podcast. I am your host, Dylan Lucardo, and joining with me, as always, is a sacred skull. How are you doing, buddy? What is up, everyone? I'm doing good. I have been chilling, enjoying the media we have gotten recently. Ooh, yeah, we're, we've got... We got some good media. We Indeed. talked about this last episode that we'd have the Ahsoka finale and the Loki premiere. Mm-hmm. Kind of our probably one of the few times we'll get this guy crossover Star Wars Marvel shows going on at the same time. So, yep, a nice nice episode for us. But before we get into the shows, we do have one other topic on the docket for today. Uh, one other big topic. We might have a small topic at the end. Uh, but the Marvels, the next big Marvel movie to come out, the runtime has been released. And this movie is only going to be an hour and 45 minutes. Yeah. Does that worry you at all about the movie? Yeah, for me, that sounds like it could be a little rushed. Um, like, I don't know. An hour 45 sounds it sounds like a regular movie to runtime right but in the case of like superhero movies and such it usually is like two hours two and a half hours right so then i think you run into a problem of pacing and i think if it's a little too fast and some things aren't fully explored into and fully developed as scenes it might be kind of an empty movie so hopefully that's not the case in my opinion but yeah that's what i think about a shorter runtime yeah no uh hour 45 like that's slightly longer than like an animated movie would be yeah and i mean animated movies can have a lot in them and for sure they can have a really good story and all this other aspects but what this makes me worry about is have we basically seen all the story beats in the trailer? In yeah. an hour, 45-minute movie, how much more is there that we haven't already gotten teased? Okay, so there's the start with, all right, there, the powers are all entangled. Uh, they go to the dancing, weird musical planet at a point, uh, and there's the final battle with the villain. Right. How, how much more is there? there it doesn't doesn't seem that what it makes maybe like that chunk is really good and it's action-packed it's interesting it's a well there's not a lot of fluff or anything there which could be positives of the shorter runtime right but my worry is what else is there is there anything else really worth seeing because what we have seen in the trailers has been all right i don't think anyone's been like, oh my bad. god, that looks awesome. That's the coolest thing I've seen ever. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's just kind of just been, all right, it looks cool, you know. And you know what could have helped extend an hour and 45 minute movie? If you had some scrolls and, you know, we're dealing with some issues of a promise and maybe setting up and teasing a like secret invasion of some sort. Now, this sounds crazy, right? This it would be sounds a really cool like a idea. wild idea, man. Right? <laughs> I mean, it would be so cool to have the character that made the promise to these aliens dealing with that issue and potentially setting up their evil turn to invade the Earth and 
right. maybe set up a future Avengers movie or something about the secret invasion because that's a cool storyline that we haven't gotten yet. Yeah. Because it just totally has not happened. Yeah. That would have been Oh, that would have been a great idea. Yeah, oh. it would have been a much better use of Secret Invasion. Sorry, I just yeah. had a on Secret Invasion. Nah, yeah. <laughs> after what we watched last night, um, we're recording the, the day after uh, Loki came out for any yep. listening to this on release day. Um, after what we watched last night, man, Secret Invasion just looks so much worse. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, it, it's, it's so much worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah, it's... Man, uh, we'll, we'll save that for Loki talk. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, man, it's. I was sitting there. I will say, I was just, just real quick. I was just sitting there watching it, and I was like, "Wow, this is what Marvel peak Marvel is. This is, this is yeah. what the Marvel I fell in love with. Like this type of stuff. This is it. Yeah. Uh, yep, yeah. that's it. We we will be saving Loki for the very end. That's obviously the newest. So maybe you haven't watched it yet. Spoilers. Uh, yeah, we're, we will be getting the spoilers. Same with Ahsoka finale. Yep. We will be getting the spoilers there. Um, but just wrapping up the Marvels. As I, also, once again, I, I'm a fan of the first movie. I really enjoyed the first Captain Marvel. I liked the story. I liked the character. I like Miss Marvel. And I just... I, I feel like this movie... It, it feels like the Aquaman 2 of the Marvel. It's like, it's just set up to fail. Yeah. And I really don't want it to fail. No, me neither. Like, at all. I like all of the characters. But it's just, it's coming off of the Ant-Man Quantumania. It's coming off of Secret Invasion, Miss Marvel, and She-Hulk. Yeah, you're going to have Loki in here, maybe bringing back some goodwill, but... People already have a negative turn towards Captain Marvel, yep. and you already have the very anti the. Um, I don't remember even what like the the big haters of like the women's movement in Marvel or oh yeah, some weird name that they say about it with like she and Marvel. I really don't know what it is. Me either. But those people are already hating on the movie before it, it even giving it a chance. Yep. And it's just like it's I just I feel bad for the movie. And then Me too. hearing that there's not a lot to it in an hour forty five ones yet, it could be a very well done, well constructed shorter yeah. shorter film. But it's but, just Yeah. It's just a bad look as of right now. It's a now. bad look. Yeah. yeah. So I'm hopeful. I, I still yeah, want for sure. I still want it. I'll still be there opening weekend watching Facts. it. Um but I could see us in a month's plus time talking about that movie and what it could have been, <laughs> what it could have been. Yeah. And, and that's yeah, not a just, good, another bad look to already have those feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's, let's move on from some bit more down and let's get into some positive because all right, I sure think the rest of this episode is going to be a lot of positive. Oh yeah. Um, and let's start off with Ahsoka. Okay. And let's jump into kind of like how we have done. We'll, we'll go episode by episode. Because mm-hmm. um, there, there's there's less to talk about in 7 than 8. But there's still some important things for us to talk about back in episode 7. Uh, so the And we'll talk about, I guess, our feelings of the series as a whole. Um, right. 
when we get there. But I mean, I'll kick it over to you to start uh, Ahsoka episode seven, the um, penultimate episode, the build up to uh, everything that we've been doing. Our heroes were reunited. How do you how do you like episode seven? I would say episode seven. I liked it. It wasn't anything like super spectacular in my opinion, but it was very enjoyable. And uh, of course, there's always moments in every episode of the show. I will say there's always been moments that I like really like and really enjoyed. Um, I'd say seeing Ezra again, just fully like out and like acting. And uh, I don't know his name, but the actor for Ezra is like top tier. That is like perfect casting. In my opinion, he killed the role of Ezra in live action. Uh, Iman Esfandi. Yes. Iman, if you ever hear the shout out to you, my guy, because you killed it. Um, And just seeing Ezra back was so nice. And it was interesting to see that he refused the lightsaber from Sabine and said, the force is my ally. And then started, you know, popping off a little bit against some grunts with the force. But then well, the, the coolest thing was when he was doing the force, the stop yeah. shins. Lightsaber. Yeah. Like it was, I, lo- I love good beautifully force done. use. Yeah, in, me too. In lightsaber fights. And I know a lot of people were upset and I, we had talked about like, Oh, like I had mentioned like, Oh, they released the black series of, Ezra's lightsaber and said, oh, it's Sabine's. I was like, that's kind of weird, because clearly Ezra's going to get the lightsaber back. Right. And I know a lot of people were upset when he didn't. Yeah. I I was obviously wanting to him to, but then it made sense in yeah. how they did it, and I thought it was enjoyable to see him use the Force, the fight, I agree. instead of just a lightsaber. But and as it, I've yeah. seen other people point out, like, He's been on that plan for 10 years. He's not used to using a lightsaber again. So maybe exactly. he's just not comfortable. In it. And also, it was a bunch of stormtroopers, and giving him a lightsaber would have been like, well, he's just going to destroy Mow the stormtroopers. Yeah. And uh, I thought it was cool that um, in back in Rebels, uh, Kanan and Ahsoka are always telling him that a Jedi is not just a lightsaber. And I thought it was cool that. 10 years later, 12 years later, whatever, he's finally kind of just understood that. And he's like, the force is my ally now. And I got it under control. I don't need it. I thought that was cool. Yeah. Um, no, I agree. Until that, he, that was my like number one <laughs> moment. of episode Yeah, seven. for sure. And, and he, um, and then he gets tossed really hard. Uh, and <laughs> decides to pick up a blaster. <laughs> yeah. And I thought that was funny. But yeah, the another one of my favorite moments, just as we're we're talking about just how perfect Mon was in the role, was when he was like, "Oh wait, are you sure you don't want to take his prisoner? Like, uh, <laughs> you, you, you you take his prisoner? Like yep. when, when they've kind of lost the battle, and mm-hmm. Ahsoka comes riding in to save the day, yep. and I was just like, man, that that just nails Ezra. It's like, perfect that, Ezra, yeah." It's perfect, Ezra, and it's and not. Sabine's I know they're just like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, she's like, hey, give him a look. Like, yeah, but it's also. I know some people find Ezra annoying in the the Rebel show. I've heard that complaint. Yeah, I think I think Amon captured the fun. Yeah, but 
didn't border on the edge of annoying. I agree. Which would make sense. I mean, he's grown up. He's yeah. He's an adult now. He's not a child like he was. He's still a goofy guy. It, he's still goofy, but yeah. It's, yeah, it's not childish in a way. Right. And I, I, I really liked how they had him. Me too. Um, I would say, I would say the second, the second part of my favorite, uh, part of the, the episode was, uh, Ahsoka's parts when she, um, comes down and engages with Balin's skull. I thought that was cool. Um, it was, it was a nice little clean little standoff, nothing too crazy. Uh, Balin's skull says, you can't beat me. And Soka's like, perhaps. And that's why I brought this. And then Hugh Yang just starts shooting at him. And it's all a distraction so that way Ahsoka can get his warg and just run off. And that's really cool. And then Balin's goal goes off and does his own little side project that he's been working on this whole time. Which we will get Spoilers, into. Spoilers, we still don't have the answer to <laughs> We have some type of answer, but not a full answer. Um and that was cool. And then Ahsoka pulls up on the scene to save Ezra and Sabine. And what I thought was really cool was one, seeing that reunion um, of Ezra and Ahsoka and Sabine and Ahsoka again. And that's that trio back together was really nice and fun. And then just the, um, the way that Ahsoka could kind of like break, uh, Shin's like wall a little bit and like made her listen a little bit and was like, we can help you. You know, there's not only one way to do things. Uh, I thought that moment was like really impactful for like Shin's character. It seemed like something clicked for the first time. And yeah, that was cool. That was cool for me. Yeah. I'd I'd agree with all that. It definitely was not the most eventful episode, but it was needed. It was setting up the finale. Absolutely. Let's jump on over to the finale um, and kind of walk through the episode. And we'll talk about kind of the big moments as we go. And we start off with, and what I loved is it basically then silenced anyone that hated the fact that Ezra did not take his lightsaber. Ezra's building a new lightsaber. And not just any lightsaber. Kanan Jarrus' lightsaber. Yeah, the, the fact that there is this exchange with Huang, yep. you get the Kanan name drop, and then Huang, because he's so old and has helped so many build lightsabers, he's like, hey, oh, that makes sense. You're Kanan Jarrus' apprentice, or Caleb Doom is what he calls him, because that's his original name. And uh, there was, he took one of these admitters, and there is only one other, Harry Potter style, you should have it. And yeah. basically now Ezra has a version of Kanan's lightsaber. Sabine gets Ezra's old lightsaber. Also, Ezra's now had three lightsabers, by the way. Yes. <laughs> it's very funny. Um, I was kind of hoping it wasn't going to be blue. Like he, he went to like yeah. yellow or a, like kind of. I was kind of hoping he and Sabine would be matching green sabers. Yeah. I, I always find like the idea and like kind of, oh, Originally, like the blue to the, they changed it to green, like because it matched the, it showed better in the desert yeah. and all that stuff. But 
the lore of it now, like that there's kind of different representations of like the kind of person they are is based on the color. Yeah. Um, I just thought it would have been cool to see like, okay, as started at blue, he went to the green kind of like karate, karate belts. Right. And that now he was at like a yellow or bringing back the Mace Windu purple. Yeah. A purple. So just kind of pushing him up to that next level to show that he's evolved and changed. Yeah. Um, kind of, I mean like Ahsoka with the, white blades to show right. her, her place. And I, I, I was a little disappointed when it came out as a blue saber. And I was just like, oh, well, I guess we're just thinking with the blue and the green. Mm-hmm. Whatever. It looked really cool in the final shots when he had the blue, Sabine had the green, and Ahsoka had the white blades, and they were all yeah. fighting. It was awesome. It visually was cool. So I instantly didn't care. But if I had one minor gripe with the finale, I'd be like, Man, why couldn't we have gotten him a different color? For sure. Why, why couldn't he? Why couldn't he have pulled a ray and broke out the yellow? Which just that's me self see. I love the yellow lightsabers. Yeah. I, I love the idea the Jedi guardians and the, the lore behind the yellow sabers. I love it. I wish we had more yellow sabers. Um, well, I, the High Republic movie. Hopefully, I, exactly. Hopefully, and the Ray trilogy movie yeah. afterwards. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I really love that scene, uh, and also in that scene, besides just the fact that Ezra builds Kanan's lightsaber. Um, we finally get confirmation of what happened between Ahsoka and Sabine. Yep. And it was that Ahsoka was sensing a potential turn to the dark side in Sabine after the Empire bombed Mandalore, which we've known that has happened. And But we got confirmation that Sabine's family died in that attack. Right. And we've assumed, there's been assumptions that this is likely to happen. But it's just nice to get that confirmation. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but then, yeah, uh, moving forward in the episode, we then basically get into the epic, The basically the rest of the episode is Sabine, Ahsoka, and Ezra trying to get onto Thrawn's ship so they're not left behind and or to stop Thrawn himself from leaving. And... I'll let you kind of take over from here. What, what did you think of kind of this, them riding in on the Howlers into the first fight? Kind of what, I'll let, I'll let you kind of take over and talk a bit through some of this. Uh, I thought it was, I thought it was really well done. Um, honestly, I thought the whole scene of, well, okay, Thrawn, drops one of the hardest lines in the episode, I think, um, when Ahsoka and Ezra and Sabine are riding up and Thrawn is like, uh, I'll take no chances with the apprentice of Anakin Skywalker and rains hellfire onto them. Uh, like, that was cool. Like, he recognized game and was like, okay, we are not taking any chances here. Do you know who that is? <laughs> like, that is the best general in the Jedi in the in the Order apprentice. Like, we're not taking chances with that. And, um, so they proceed to just weave giant laser bullets and get to the door. Uh, which uh, which the scene made me question. I will say that scene made me question why Ahsoka had Sabine help open that door when they were first riding in uh because up until after that sabine couldn't use the force so like 
Why? Well, I think it was, so we kind of skipped over one scene of, like, Sabine and Ahsoka talking, and Sabine, uh, or Ahsoka telling Sabine that Anakin always had her back, so she was always going to have Ahsoka's back. Right. Or, sorry, Ahsoka was always going to have Sabine's back, um, and kind of them reuniting and connecting, and Ahsoka kind of telling her trust in the Force. Right. So I, I think it was more just kind of like a, hey, trust in the, you can help. Whether okay. she actually did or not, most likely not at that point, because like you said, we hadn't fully seen her use the force at that point. I think it was just one of those things of, hey, try. Yeah. Help. Like, just just go for it. And maybe her, seeing that door open, maybe all of a sudden in her head, she's like, oh, I did help. Okay. And that then maybe led to the, the further belief when she actually does use the force. Right. It just helped build that belief up. Gotcha, gotcha. That that was my kind of no, yeah. That's a good way to think about it. Um, but, I guess we we skipped over one other small thing that happened. We would get to it here when a fight scene happened shortly. Uh, yeah. The three mothers, the the three fates, um, essentially gave Morgan extra witch power. I guess I guess yeah. she wasn't a full night sister witch. She was just a night sister, but she got the black eyes and the weird marks the tattoos, on the face. Yeah. And she was given the Blade of Towson, who, if you did Really cool. Yeah. People that did not watch Clone Wars, Mother Towson was the leader of the Night Sisters on Dathomir. And she did use this blade to actually fight Mace Windu. Which was cool. Back in that show. Really cool. Um, So they gave that blade to Morgan, gave her those powers. Um, And as our heroes enter this building... Thrawn realizes, well, those Jedi are getting a little too close. Hey, Morgan, you're you're a great employee. Yeah, you're you're awesome. I appreciate everything you did, but I need you to stay behind now and distract them while I run away. Yeah, can you do that for me? Awesome, and she does it. Yeah, she's a and good she, employee. She and you can tell, employee of the month. <laughs> yeah, and you can tell it like bothers her that he's asking her to do this, but at the same time, she goes, uh. He, Thrawn, goes for the Empire, and then she waits until he's out of earshot and goes for Dathomir. So it seems like she understands the situation that she's in, and she's going to give it her all for her homeland. And I'll just end, we'll talk about this at a little later, a point in a bit more depth. Mm-hmm. I don't think these Night Sisters and Thrawn's partnership is going to continue to be all hunky-dory. Me either. Uh, and Neither. I think that that scene and that kind of for Dathomir showing that because at that point she's linked with the mothers as yeah. well. She has the magic. So I think that was also kind of a little clue in of they care about Dathomir. Yeah. They care about them. Getting back. Ron's just helping them get back and potentially re-resurrect their entire race. Right. And they don't care about the Empire. Yep. They're just, they're... They're using Thrawn like he's using them. Absolutely. And I agree. At a point, whenever that happens, it, it doesn't end well. And so uh, there's another point later in the episode. Um, I'm just going to talk about it now because it relates. But uh, Thrawn tells them to, to tells the ship to fire on the temple, the ancient that was, that, that was the point temple. I was yeah. Yeah, referencing as well. Yeah. And like when he does order that, 
they they all kind of just look at him with like they, they give him the stink guy. Like, what are you talking about? Shoot the temple! <laughs> They're like, hey, you don't don't you dare yeah. shoot our temple! And then like, like, you don't relieve him, but that's can still see, our temple. Yeah, you can see them like physically not agree with that choice it, at it's all. It's basically the same reaction Morgan has when he right. tells her to stay behind. Exactly. And they're like, I think there's going to come a point where they're like, all right, enough. <laughs> enough. Yeah. All, right. all right, dude. If he destroys their temple on Dathomir, it's over. Right. Like, if he touches anything on Dathomir the wrong way, it's over. Yeah. Um, all right. But yeah, let's jump. Uh, we Back. kind of jumped ahead, but it, it was all connected. Yeah. I, I think that was good. So let's go into the First hallway fight. Yeah. Uh, we talked about the potential of these stormtroopers being undead. resurrected by Night Sister Magic, and surprise, they are zombie stormtroopers. Indeed. And, Who uh, saw that one coming? Yeah, all of everyone, us. Basically <laughs> yeah. everyone. Basically yeah. all the Star Wars fandom knew these were going to be zombie stormtroopers. Pretty much. Um, but it was still cool. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. I will say, though... I had a few gripes with how it was done. Um, while I thought the fight wasn't really cool, uh, seeing Ahsoka, Sabine, and Ezra all work together, comboing off each other, doing this, that, and the third, that was cool. It was cool to see. But the moment they get rezzed by the Night Sisters, I don't know why it didn't just click to them to aim for the head. Aim for um, the head or cut off the legs. Or cut off or, a limb know. or do something. Well, and I got was... my answer for you. Oh, okay. Disney. Yes. But why do it later in the episode then? Uh, like When it's one or two versus a giant mob of them. Yeah. They're like, at a point, they're like, oh, a little dismembering, please. But like... I don't know. I feel like, I mean, in the Clone Wars, Ahsoka has had no problem chopping people's heads off. I'll be honest. It happened a, a few times in the Clone Wars. And where was it there? Like, like there, we need, we're in a rush. We need to stop this ship. We need to go as fast as we can. We're taking our slow time, slapping them with our lightsabers. And going up the stairs real slow, just end them all in like five strikes and go. Like that would be my thing, right? Like why not? No, for I me, agree. With you. It just I agree. Yeah, like I understand there are rules for like TV broadcasting with with Disney. Well, no, right? with streaming, they could have easily done that. Oh yeah, and that's the thing. Like they did not have to worry about actual broadcast right. ratings but and all of this. It's a it's that's a hundred percent a pure Disney show. But yeah. I want to. We'll loop back around to this when we start talking about Loki because there's yeah. uh, some things in Loki that I think handled a similar esque situation, not quite the same, but doing something that's potentially more graphic, but handled in a better way without showing a graphic that. Okay. And I agree, it could have been handled better. Yeah, I mean, they also it's at a point screenwriting techniques, and they needed them to be a little slow and not get right up to throttle. Right. That, that's another reason. It's it was not handled the best. They easily could have done it better. Yeah. But like you said, it was cool seeing the three of them fight. It was absolutely, and uh, it was cool in the upper staircase part of that fight when they're running away from the zombies. Still, um, 
when Ezra is like grabbed by one of the zombies that blindside him and Sabine is like trying to get a clear shot at, and she can't. So she trusts in her lightsaber abilities and does a cool move and gets a, gets a kill on a zombie guy. And uh, I thought for me, that scene was like Sabine needs Ezra. She needs that connection to help her connect with her abilities. I feel like, because like her being locked out of her like emotions for a little while, being in a like depressed state, probably affected her training too, and um, why she couldn't connect with the Force and this, that, and the third, you know. But now that she's with Ezra, she's kind of it's kind of just flowing, you know. She kind of just grabbed her lightsaber and knew exactly what to do, and I thought that was cool. Um, which happened to be kind of shown for me in the next part when they get up to the stairs to the top of the tower and they're met by two uh what are they called black troopers death troopers um death no i remember exactly but before that they the three of them run into morgan Uh, yeah um, and right. Sabine, or not Sabine, Ahsoka, Ahsoka tells Sabine and Ezra to go on without her, stop Thrawn, yep. she'll deal with Morgan. Sabine is like, no, we're supposed to stay together. And Ahsoka basically says, no, I trust you. Yep. Go. Unlike the last time where it was a bit more hesitant and not, it was, no, I trust you, go. Right. Stop him. Before, and, yeah, the earlier in, like, what, what episode was that? Four? When... Yeah. Three, when, three, three, yeah. When Ahsoka and Sabine were fighting that duel of Merrick and Shin, they were like, they didn't even say anything to each other. They kind of just, Ahsoka and Sabine kind of just split up. Like, they, there was no communication. So that was a cool growth in their, in their communication skills. Uh, and it is a death trooper. Death trooper, right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, so Ezra and Sabine run into Death Troopers. Ahsoka is fighting Morgan, and we get these cool kind of dueling battles of Ahsoka fighting Morgan. I thought Morgan it was fantastic. The, uh, yeah, Morgan with Mother Talzine's braid, and yep. uh, Ezra and Sabine versus Death Troopers. Both fights are great. It was, yeah. it's, it's, um, I, I've been a bit harsh on, in particular, Rosario Dawson's fighting and calling it a bit slow. This, I think, was one of her best fights. I will uh, say... Besides the Anakin fight, I think yeah. the Anakin fight was better. I think this was some of her best fight work in the series. I don't know if that's... I agree. They had more of a stunt double because it was a bit more of a pulled-back angle. And the stunt double was it. But whatever they did, I improved this fight scene over some of the Balin ones. And yep. while a lot of times they were good... I still always had just those issues of it looking a little slow. This this one and the Anakin one both hit the right notes for me. I agree. A thousand percent. It that one definitely felt like super fluid. Like it had been like practice and practice and practice until they really got down to a fast pace, which is really cool, I will say. Um Which I think also maybe some of the credit could go to Rick Femiuma, yeah. who directed it, and he's directed a lot of really good action sequences in The Mandalorian. And so maybe that was just also him being like, No, we need to do this more times and I agree. Yeah. So that that could be a director aspect as well, and him knowing what he wants out of the action scene 
and be like, no, it, it, it's not good enough. Go again. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Whatever was done, they did it. If, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. And, yeah. and with, and with the Sabine and Ezra fight with the yeah. troopers up top. Yeah. It's to know both of them have done extremely well with their fight. Choreography oh, yeah. And any, all the fights I, I, there, there is, I've never had the issues there. Yeah. Um, but a few notes in the fight. Um, also, this is a rematch of the original time we saw Ahsoka in live action. Big deal. Obviously. So that was cool seeing that. And the, Morgan holds her own, just like she did in the original episode. In fact, kind of overpowers Ahsoka out of Yes. Uh, she breaks Ahsoka's smaller lightsaber. Yep. Knocks Ahsoka down to one. And essentially forces Ahsoka kind of up to the very top level where... Uh, Sabine and Ezra were fighting. Yeah. Um, let's wrap up the Sabine and Ezra fight, and then we can talk about what happens when Ahsoka gets pushed up there. Sounds good. Sabine and Ezra start losing their fight. Both right. both kind of mirroring fights. Both of the heroes kind of are losing. Um, Sabine is being choked by the Death Troop, the zombie Death Trooper. Yep. Um, and lightsabers on the ground, and she's reaching out to it. Ezra's getting beat up off on the side, and his lightsabers and, away. Yeah, his yeah. lightsabers away, and everything looks lost. And she is able to finally use the force, pulls the lightsaber to herself, and saber through the head of the zombie. Which is a really nice scene, by the way. Really well done, and. Which then you see Ezra immediately follow up with the oh crap okay let's do this <laughs> and like yeah. grabs his lightsaber does a nice little combo and then beheads the zombie which is yeah. really dope and then they Thrawn's ship throughout all this while they're fighting has it's been taking escaping off. is taking off yep. and they get to the edge and it's too far Ezra says he can't make that jump. Sabine tells him, no, you can. I'll push you. Exactly. We we saw this technique throughout Rebels. Kanan and Ezra did it. Darth Sabine Maul and Ezra it. did it. Yep. It was a very common scene where Ezra would jump with force ability to jump farther. Kind of once he reaches the apex and starts to go down, then he gets pushed to kind of make it. Yep. And at first, he, he doesn't want to do it. And... I don't think it was a lack in trusting Sabine and her force. I think it was a, I know we have a chance of getting separated. Yeah. If I, if I take this jump and I don't think he wanted to. I agree. I, uh, and like speaking back to what I was saying before, um, Sabine needs Ezra to boost her abilities. Like just knowing that he's out there and alive and like with her helps boost her abilities. So I think seeing that, Ezra didn't want to be separated again and seeing that Ezra also wanted to make the jump, <laughs> you know, um, Sabine was like, I got this, like we can do this. And yeah. she finally trusted in her abilities and, and they yeah. make the jump. Yeah. Well, Ezra makes the jump. Well, yeah. Ezra makes the jump yeah. and Sabine's supposed to jump after him and get pulled. But this is then when we cut back to Ahsoka, right? Seemingly beaten by Morgan the, the stormtroopers surrounding them, and it's a really cool shot. Insane shot. And Morgan just says, you're alone, you've lost, and you hear Sabine say, well, she's not alone. Right. 
and it cuts to Sabine starting to cut down stormtroopers. It gives a soak of the boots. She was going fighting. crazy. <laughs> she, yeah. Like, let's talk. Like, I'm not going to stop talking about it for a while now, though, but Sabine, like, locked in. She was not looking, deflecting with her saber while blasting people in front of her. And it it gave shades of Cal Kestis in the game with the, the blaster, blaster stance. Stamp. Yeah. yeah. And it was really, really, cool. really I going to that game. I hated yeah. that stance when they first gave it to me. Me too. By the end, end game, I started using it. I was like, oh my God, this is the best stance of the it's, game. It's really good. It I, I will say it's stance. not, I just don't like using a blaster as a Jedi personally. Oh, me neither. But, but, but yeah. the saber still does the most oh, yeah. damage out of all the sabers. It it's like, why? Yeah. Why did you give plastic stance the most damage? Yeah. My poor, poor man, broadsword. Kylo yeah. Ren stands over here feels like garbage. Yeah, I still use it. It's yeah. like garbage. That's my favorite stand. <laughs> it, it was my favorite, yeah. but it wasn't the best. That's yeah, true. for and sure. By the post game, I, I used that and blaster. Yeah, and because it was like, well, it's my favorite and it's the best. Yeah, but I still I dual wield is like du- oh, yeah. not dual wield, dual, dual sided. Yeah, dual sided is oh favorite. dual wield is my favorite um, yeah. to use. But I wish they didn't make it up. Harry stance though. Yeah. It was like a pure defense. I'm like, no, dual wheel should be like get crazy offense. Basically offenses. what double saber is like yeah. crazy offense, but I guess you can't have two crazy offenses. But. Agreed. Yeah. But sidetrack. Sidetrack. Side yeah. <laughs> but uh but yeah, she Sabine was going crazy. She she seemed to have really like as I said, locked in and understood what she had to do with the weapons and tools she had and all the training she has from both. And that was cool. That was really cool to see. While Ahsoka masterfully cleans up um, Morgan, she's it's a they're locked in, they're dueling, and Ahsoka does this one move that really just gets the jump on Morgan, and she takes the Talzin blade from Morgan's hand and does a quick one-two, and Morgan is out of the game, and I thought that was really cool. I honestly think Ahsoka and why she gets the boost when Sabine is there. I think Ahsoka had expected to be left behind. Yeah. She was wanting a Sabine and Ezra to go home. That was her plan. She was willing to accept death. I agree. And she was accepting defeat in that moment. But then when it clicked for her that no, Sabine did hope. stay. Yeah, there is hope. There is this, and then that just flipped the switch, and that gave her something to fight for again. I agree because it, she realized. Wait, it basically equating it to her and Anakin's relationship, where yeah. she had just told Sabine, "I will never leave you. I will always be by your side," and her feeling like for so long that Anakin left her. Not not like she she left the order, but when Anakin turned to Vader. And that kind of betrayal of, no, he's left. He's, he's changed. Yeah. And kind of maybe feeling a bit like that herself and through this master apprentice relationship. And then to see, well, throughout this, that she was able to reconnect with her master and rebuild that relationship. And he's still there supporting and teaching her, which is mirrored again at the very end of the episode. Yep. And, to then see her apprentice show that same 
kind of connection and dedication. She knew I need to be there. I cannot accept this defeat. I do need to win this. Absolutely. And she does. Yeah. And I just said masterfully does. Yeah. And I will say, uh, speaking on that, her feeling like it's over, like she's going to go with Ezra and I, I'm okay with ending it here. I feel like she did that exact same thing against Vader when she saved Kanan and Ezra on that, on the Sith world. Um, uh, that, it, yeah, it was, it was, in my opinion, it was kind of like a mirror situation. She was kind of, it was kind of the end of the line. There was no escape. I'm and, willing to go down fighting so you can continue to. Move exactly. On. As long as they live, she's okay with sacrificing yeah. herself. And, and in that case, it was obviously future Ezra that pulled her away from that moment and right. gave her something to worth fighting for. And then in this case, obviously Sabine coming back. Right. So also mirroring both of those are the two characters that are also involved here. Really cool. Yeah. So now we get, so they win. Um, this is where Thrawn orders them to shoot down the temple and they, they get the dirty looks uh, they pull it back to the future where the car is, uh, the ship comes floating out. They jump off. They they go try and catch the ship. Yep. And we get the open comms from Thrawn. Cool and, scene. Great scene. Yeah. So well Just, done. I don't remember the exact wording, but like basically telling Ahsoka, I knew your master. I knew, I knew exactly what you were Darth do. Vader. Yeah. How much are you like him? Yeah. How much are you going to end up like him? Which is what Ahsoka has been dealing with this whole time. How right. much am I like Anakin? But she knows now she doesn't, she's not. Right. She's not Anakin. She's not responsible for what Anakin did. She, that, that's been her whole journey here. But it doesn't matter because Thrawn just gets away. Yeah. And- he taunts her with this. It doesn't affect her as much as he probably would want it to because he doesn't know she's been through this experience. Right. But he still wins. He yep. gets away. Ezra's on the ship. And Ahsoka and Sabine and, and Balin and, and Shin, Shin and yeah. are left behind on Peridia. Yep. Um, so before so we get the to bad the guys ending, winning. We, we predicted yeah. it. We did. We, we said did. We wanted a Star Wars Infinity War, and we got it. <laughs> we, yeah. Not quite, well, not quite was, as going to expect it to happen. But yeah. before we get to the ending of all these characters, we'll kind of hit the character endings. Uh, okay. Instead of kind of going scene by scene, we'll just go character by character here. Um, up to this point, how anything else you want to talk about before we get into endings and what comes next? Um. Nah, I mean, at this point, I was out of my mind, like, enjoying myself. Like, I was watching it with a close friend of mine, and we were both like, holy crap. Like, wow. Like, this is happening. You know, like, what a finale this is so far. Like, yeah. just, just that feeling of, like, this is Star Wars for us. You know, like, this is this is what it's all about. Like, this is it. That was... That was just the fact that the show made us feel like that, like almost every episode through the way. Top tier for us. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's start with Thrawn. Thrawn, all we get of him is him and the ship, the Viathid. Is that the correct name of his ship? The. 
It's not the Leviathan. That's Destiny. No, no, it's um, the um, it starts with a C. Yeah, um, it's getting bugging me now. So give me one second. Ground ship, uh, the Chimera. Chimera. Yes, I knew it was some name like that. The Chimera pulling up to Dathomir. So yep. Thrawn and the sisters and their cargo. We still never got confirmation what the cargo is. It's likely dead. But we can infer. Night sisters. Yeah. I st- maybe Zepho mixed in. Maybe I'm still I'm still not fully off the Zepho train. Yeah. Um, but we just see them pulling up to Dathomir. That's yep. where we've left them off. Ezra, who was on the ship, escaped wearing, as Ezra does, stormtrooper armor. Oh yeah, and um, we didn't even talk about that scene when he gets on the ship and knocks out those two guards, and in classic Ezra form, hops on the radio. And pretends to be the clone, the stormtrooper, and is like, "All right, thanks for the heads up," and then gets dressed in their outfit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he steals a ship and he flies and meets up with Hera. For some reason, decides to do a cool reveal and walk out with his helmet on. Why he didn't just walk out without the helmet yeah. on, I don't know. Yeah. He, he's like, "I got to make this dramatic." <laughs> yeah. But he reunites with Hera. Um, Chopper recognized him immediately. Hall. Yeah. yeah, I was wanting so when that scene played out that way and Chopper rolled up to him, I was like, he better pull out his shocker or something and yeah. shock it. <laughs> yeah. Like that would have been Chopper. Like it would have been that would have been. Yeah. Like he he pulls up, Ezra puts his hand on him like friendly, and then shop Chopper yeah. just shocks him. I think that would have been perfect. That, that would have been just. I, I would have loved that. Would have been a great ending to that. It yeah. would have had like a little like. I guess they want more of a serious. Yeah. It was still kind of a little bit of a downer, but some happiness, and they didn't, I guess, want a joke in there. But Rebels, he would have been shocked. Oh, yeah. A thousand percent. Or slapped or something. Something. Chopper would have hit him. Chopper would have run into him. him. Yeah. Something. So I was missing that a little bit from that scene. Um, But he's reunited with Hera, Ezra's home. Yep. Um, Let's shin. Because okay. we got, as you've noticed, we went through this whole episode. We haven't mentioned Shin or Balin at all. And yep. this is probably my biggest disappointment with the finale is we got nothing of Shin and Balin except for the very ends here. Yeah. Um, I was very much on the idea that Thrawn would get away and the finale would be more focused on those two and finishing up the storyline with them. Mm-hmm. But Shin goes back to the raider camp that we saw her and Balin befriend earlier, pulls out her lightsaber, seemingly saying, I want to join you or I want to lead you or something along those lines. Right. How did you feel about the end of Shin's story? Um, I will say, for me, I think it makes sense that Balin and Shin had less of an impact on this episode. I would have liked them to have more. I'm not going to lie. I would have liked them to have more. But um, just from how it left off when Ahsoka confronted them both in the last episode, um, I feel like when Ahsoka was talking to Shin, something changed. Like I said, something clicked. And Shin needed some time to think and like figure out what she wanted to do. Right. So I think in a way it made sense that she decided, all right, I'm going to rule this world, you know. I'm going to I'm going to take this rage that I have and use it uh in that sense and become powerful. And that for me that makes sense, you know. Uh I would have liked to see 
her understanding why she needed to do that or some sort of self-recognition type of thing. We didn't get it, but that's okay. Um, But yeah, I think it sets up really well for whatever they want to do next. Yeah. All right, so they're moving to Balin. The only time we see him in the episode, he's standing on a hand. Yep. Looking out at the horizon, and we could see a light coming out of a mountain. Yep. That the hand that he's standing on is pointing to. As the camera zooms out, we see that the hand is actually the statue of the Father Mortis God. To his left is the Son, and to the right is a destroyed statue of the Daughter. Yep. So. Hype moment for me, by the way. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and kind of confirming that, okay, yes, Balin's after something along the lines of the Mortis Gods. Probably we knew connected it. to the world between worlds. All of this. It's, once again, just unfortunate we didn't really get an answer to all of this here yeah. in this episode, this season, and knowing the fact that Ray Stevenson has passed away. R.I.P. I think he did such a great job, too. Yeah. And that's the worst part about it, yeah. is I would be more fine with the setup they did if I was 100% confident we would get the finale of that setup. Yeah, well, with the way Star Wars is with recasting and not wanting to recast and all of this other issues that they have with this idea, which we talked about last time, why it's kind of dumb and they really should just recast. It makes me worried that we won't get the true story here that we should and it will get shoehorned around some way somehow. I think so. um, Just to write Balin out of the situation. I, um... I really hope, I feel like Dave Filoni will not let that happen. Um, Just end Balin's story with him magically peering off to a shining mountain, standing on a mortis god's hand. Like, that's too big of a a side quest to not explore at all. With such a good character, seeing how the fans have reacted to Balin's skull, uh, I don't think, I don't think they're just going to shoehorn it for the next couple years or something. I, I hope not, but yeah. it's just... But I could definitely Dave see Filoni them doing Dave I trust. It. Yeah. Disney Star Disney, Wars. Disney Star Wars yeah. I don't necessarily trust with the idea of recasting. And yeah. while Ray Stevenson killed it, I want to see the end of the story. Me too. And, I and would... it's un- the passing is unfortunate, but that doesn't... The character needs on- to go Honor on. him by continuing that story in that character. Absolutely. Find someone that can do him justice and continue the work he did absolutely and not let this his last character die an unceremonial death i completely agree yeah so yeah so that's i i'm into i want to know as well i just uh, we have our theories we have ideas but that that story needs to be finished it can't be left yep all right so then let's wrap up with our main two heroes of the uh, the season Sabine and Ahsoka, they were by far the protagonists of the series. It probably should have been called Ahsoka and Sabine. Yep. Uh, they wouldn't have called it that because <laughs> we would call it that. Yeah. Soldier. Oh. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it was really their show. It, yeah. it was these two characters. It was a master and apprentice show. Um, and they go rejoin the Naughty. They go hang out with the Naughty. Um the Ahsoka at a point is kind of staring off. There's some light coming out of the sky. 
Uh, she seems to kind of be contemplating things, has a nice little conversation with Sabine. Sabine kind of hangs out there for a second, mentions seeing kind of lights out in the darkness. Yep. Uh, Ahsoka peers off in the into the darkness a little bit longer, turns back around, heads to the camp, and then we cut to seeing Anakin's Force Ghost still watching over his apprentice. And smiling this time. And smiling. Yeah. And it's just, dude, while a defeat has happened, it's one of those, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a Star Wars. While yep. Empire Strike Back really ended with Darth Vader winning, you still have a hopeful moment at the end. Even though Han's been kidnapped, they're still hopeful in those last moments when uh, Leia and Luke are standing there looking out the window. It was reminiscent of that feeling. Yeah, and I will say, uh, in my opinion, what like a beautiful way to just end such a like a drastic moment. Um, it is very Star Wars that ending, as you were saying. It is very reminiscent of classic Star Wars. And it is just a nice way of rounding out that story of there being conflict between um, Anakin and Ahsoka's relationship and Ahsoka's mind, you know, and all that stuff and how she's worried about how Anakin stopped looking over her and leaving her and abandoning her and such and such. But it's cool to know um, at the end that it seems as though Anakin is proud of the path that Ahsoka is now on again. And he's looking out for her and always will be and seems to be looking out for Sabine. Sabine seems to have sensed Anakin being there, being that she is well, now officially like part of the line. Tree. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That she's officially part of that line. And it's really cool to see. And I think it just sends a really good message for the final shot of the show just being a hopeful message overall. I think that's really cool. Yeah. All right, so let's start to wrap this up into the kind of overall feelings, but then also looking towards the future. So my first question for you, does this lead into the Filoni movie? Or season or two. Or Ahsoka season two? Yeah, I'd go. I, yeah, sorry, I'll let you go first. Uh, I mean, I think I would want another season to kind of flesh more of it out. If that makes sense, I could totally see it completely just jumping into a Filoni movie, but it's not what I would prefer. If that makes sense. I think there needs to be a season two. And yeah. I know there have been talks about a season two. It's it hasn't been greenlit though, but it hasn't been, but like the way it's set up it, it's, with yeah. Shin being the way Shin's story was, the way Balin's story was, the way they're left, the way Ezra still two. just just met Hera again, and yeah. and Jason like that, is alive, and then little boy that wants to be a Jedi. Yeah, it, it's not you can't. I don't feel like you could jump into the movie right now yeah. and have it make sense. Yeah, you have Thrawn over there, and. That they're needing to stop, but we don't know his true plans and how long it's going to take him to start. We don't know really what's happening with the Night Sisters yet. Right. We don't know how Ahsoka and Sabine are getting back. Like, you would need to throw all of that in the movie on top of bringing in Mando, Luke, and potentially other characters. <laughs> yeah. And I. I Calcastus, hopefully. <laughs> and this is also, I guess, getting into maybe what our next topic is, Loki. 
looking at how good Loki episode one of season two is, don't miss out on good shows just to rush a story. Yes, like, please. Use you, you're making these shows if they're good. Go into the go with season two. Yes, do more story of this. Tell the story in more detail. Loki, what we're going to talk about here soon. Loki season two episode one is fantastic. Picks up from the season one, and it's just it's so good. And it the season one was good. Season two starting off good, and it's great. Yeah. And it's still connecting to the movies. Yep. It's still building up towards the movies. and But it's its own it's, thing. It's its own thing, and it's giving us that story. So yep. keep telling us the story. Mando multiple seasons have been great. Yep. Obi-Wan, being, while I love it, it was, not. was just one season, and we're, we're probably not getting a season two. Yeah. And it's just so kind of just knowing how it happened, it's there, who's talking about it? Andor, amazing. If we don't get a season two of Andor, it's going to end up just kind of being a little forgotten. Yep. I think with these shows, you need to want to go multiple seasons. I agree. A and the plan should be multiple seasons when you're greenlighting these shows because that's a show. A yep. show. Uh, otherwise, it's just a mini series. It's a movie that you've chopped up into pieces because you didn't want to do it as a movie and you wanted a cheaper budget. And then you end up with Secret Invasion. Yeah. You end and, up with Kenobi, in my opinion. As much as I loved it. I, I, yeah, I'm like, I loved it. it. I agree. It, it wasn't needed. Yeah. yeah. I, lo- I love parts of it. It had great parts, there, but it wasn't needed. And knowing it's never going to build to something else is just like, it's there. Yeah. I think this has potential to continue to be built. We know Floney does good TV. Absolutely. We know he does well with these characters. Let it keep going. Yeah. Give us Rebel Season 6 in Ahsoka Season 2. Yep. If you want to call it Rebel, you just want to switch the name to Rebels. Like, Zeb never appeared. Well, we never got I Zeb. I will say that makes in, sense to me. Unfortunately, I know it makes, it makes sense, sense, but yeah. in this idea of these characters coming back together, we need to see Zeb meet yeah. back up with Ezra. Absolutely. And I don't want to see that in the movie. Yeah. I don't want that first reunion to be in the movie. They should already be firing in the movie. Yep. If, if if the movie's a culmination event of all of this stuff, it needs to hit the ground running. You can't spend time tying up the loose ends from the shows. You need to Agreed. use the shows to put all the characters exactly where you want them to start the movie. Uh, I think I completely agree with what you're saying. I I think season two needs to happen, possibly even season three, depending on how it goes. Mm-hmm. But we need to see Ezra in this side of the universe, working with uh, Hera, Jason, uh, Mando, Mando, Obadon, if, you, if Luke, you're going to just... Uh, uh, Zeb needs to fly in and be like, oh my god, Karabast, you're alive. Yeah. You know, like, something like that. And we need to see Ahsoka and Sabine training uh, in the other world. We need to see. We we need to find out what's been calling to Balin. Right. We need to, we need to see what Shin and we will probably what in my mind would be Ahsoka and Sabine working together to try to still get to Shin and like beat her army yeah. and do all that and deal. They have no idea what Balin's doing. Exactly. They aren't aware of that. And clearly Track it has a huge down. impact since it involves the Mortis gods. Right. 
they're going to have to deal with that. And if the movie is Thrawn is the villain, we can't have this issue with Balin being dealt with as well. And so, yeah, there better be a season two. Please make a season two, Disney, because all I just want more of the show. Um, we both love the show, so I don't think we need to wax poetic more about the show. Um, any the last closing final thoughts before we move on to Loki? Because we were worried about not hitting our hour. We're at an hour. We haven't started talking about Loki yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, so sorry, Marvel Snap. You're, you're getting pushed again. Uh, but I, I gotta say, Ahsoka. Uh, it's one of my, it's one of my favorite Star Wars projects of all time. Like it's, it made me feel things like I was still a child again. And everything I love about Star Wars was in this show. And I've seen a lot of people say this and that about Ahsoka and how it wasn't this and it could have done this and blah, blah, blah. I don't, I, I, for, for me, it was almost perfect Star Wars. And, that's well, that's it. also at a point that's also Star Wars fandom. Star yeah. Wars fandom at this point is so split. Agreed. There's the the ones that grew up with the the sequel trilogy and love that the most. The original trilogy, the prequel trilogy, those that have watched the animations, those that haven't, those that like the Disney Star Wars stuff, the shows, those that don't. It, it's such a split and fractured fan base. And what I think Filoni's trying to do, I think he's trying to unite. Yeah. I think he's trying to... I don't think he will, to, though, tr- unfortunately. I don't think he will, because yeah. you're, you're never going to get everyone to like everything. I, that's yeah. unfortunate. But also, I don't think he's trying to unite, but I don't think he cares if it actually does unite. Yeah. He knows it will get the people that want to accept it and like it and enjoy this world that he's building. And if they don't, and he's, it's okay. Well, he's like, all right, then maybe there'll be something else for you in the universe elsewhere. Yep. And I, I think that's his mindset because that's been his mind. That was Clone Wars. That yep. was Rebels. That was Mando. It's, hey, here's some Star Wars stories. Not everyone likes them. Yeah. But they're, they're hits. The people do love them. And he just goes with that. Yep. He accepts the love that comes in and kind of just like, all right, people that don't like it, yeah. Agreed. There's other stuff for you out there. Yeah. All right, let's jump over to Loki, okay. and I just want to start off with Loki season before we get into any story, any details, anything. Oh my! Remember when we were talking about Secret Invasion just being the most like boring visual, yep, filmed thing I've ever watched. Very basic. With the direction and cinematography oh my gosh. and the show and the camera movie. Oh, the Everything. film nerd in me was just, it was a masterpiece. This, yeah. And this is where I'm getting with why Ahsoka. Because Loki season one was great. Yep. But even if you look at the, and it, it's a new creative team, to yep. be fair. So maybe it, it could be. But it's also, they got a chance to learn. Yeah. Whether it's a new creativity or not, they got to look back on what was done and improve upon it. And my God, do they improve upon it? Oh yes, they do. The, the whole episode is basically set inside the TV. Yep. It's in the hallways. It's in rooms. And once again, I mean, compare it to Secret Invasion because of how bad Secret Invasion was. Secret Invasion was in a lot of rooms. Yeah. It was in a lot of hallways, and they were boring, and they were plain, and the 
camera stayed still. The camera's moving. The camera's in interesting angles. It looked like a Wes Anderson movie. Yeah. And the way it was shot and filmed and the intri- and it was just it was beautiful. It was. It, it was it was like beautiful and three minutes in, I was like, Oh my god, the cinematography is crazy. Like I literally said that to my friends. I was like, Wow. I love the way this looks right now. So, and, and like, this is why I wanted an Ahsoka season two, especially. Yep. Because this kind of jump can happen. You can look back at what worked, you can reflect on it, and creative people will get creative and, all right, we have this template now. We know what works. We know what didn't. What can we improve upon? Give us Ahsoka season two so we can see as big of a jump as Loki did here. Right. Let's get into the actual story. So, we left off end of Loki season one on a cliffhanger. Loki, after Sylvie pushed him out of the time gate so she could kill he who remains, ended up back at the TVA, interacts with Mobius and B-15, but they don't recognize him. Nope. And you see Loki look over, and there's a statue of Kang. And there was all this conversation of, is he in a different universe? What has happened? Why don't they remember him? We find out here he's actually in the past. Yeah. He's in the past version of the TVA. And we get a really cool opening sequence of like the TVA chasing him down. He jumps into a mail car that's flying around. The mail car crashes. It causes a crack in the floor, which he event is eventually what reveals that is in the past. We get all these characters that he met that didn't reveal him or didn't recognize him. And it's this really trippy kind of opening, but it's just really cool how it's all done. And I mentioned, as I said, we we're going to come back to something with the, the stormtroopers from Ahsoka and how they didn't, maybe didn't handle well. The car crash. Yeah. That girl's dead. Yeah. <laughs> the girl is very dead and died a gruesome death. Yep. But the show didn't show it. Not at all. But they hinted at it. Yep. They, you know it happened. And they handled it very well to where it's not gruesome, it's not horrible, it's not all this, but it's still there. Yep. And it's just like, you could have done that. You, so, like, you can handle more gruesome topics in this and have these things happen without physically showing them if Disney doesn't want you to show these things. I agree. So I just wanted to get to that point, but we eventually get Loki doing his, they call it time slipping, and he goes back to the present. Yep. And it starts this whole kind of opening where he's slipping between the past and the present and it's revealing information on both. But I'll, I kind of just wanted to get to that point and because I said I was going to make it earlier. Mm-hmm. What did you think of the start of this episode and the time slipping and the jump between the past and uh, the present? Uh, the opening of the show, I was locked in, I was invested in pretty much instantly like the way they handled it um having rewatched loki season one uh last month or a couple of months ago it it really just felt like the next episode like instantly i it was still the story i like had just finished and it's explaining exactly what would happen following the events of the last episode and it's done in such an interesting way where at first I was like, what is going on? 
Like, what is happening? Why does no one know him? Know him? What is what's going on here? Why is he being treated as an enemy? But then that moment of that first time slip that you see on screen, when he turns around and he's like, how long has that crack been there? And well, not just the crack, but the windows, but the windows. Th- that are not windows yes. because he crashed through them. And yes. they're now like a more plated like barrier. Yep. And it's just all these like little details. It's just like, oh, those are from the past. It's really cool. It's really well done. And just that opening part, I was like, I'm ready to watch this episode. I'm ready to watch this season. It was what a way to open a show. Yeah, and then so from that point, he's trying to get in touch with the Mobius and B-15 that do know him. Yep. Um, but he keeps slipping away back to the past before he kind of is able to meet up with them. And we get to, we meet a new character, X-5. Is that, was that his number? Um, I don't remember. Yeah, but he's kind of hanging out with by Mobius B-15 and tells them that the court wants to see them. Yeah. Uh, basically, you guys need to answer for what's going on here. Why have you stopped pruning the timelines? Um, so they head to the war room. B-15's actress does an amazing job of like delivering these lines about, we, we're murdering people on these timelines. We're yep. committing genocide. It's, we know it's tough that we're asking you to give up everything you've believed in, your basically your religious beliefs and your ideology but we're murdering people. Yep. And the actress killed that scene. Absolutely. Great yeah. acting. I'll say that Uh-oh. for the whole episode. Yeah, no, yeah. everyone, everyone, the whole, we'll, we'll get to Kihei yeah. Kwan later on. Yeah. Best, Fantastic. Best edition. Fantastic. Yeah, amazing. But we'll get to him. Yeah. Um, but so while they're in the war room, Loki is kind of slipping to the same spots in the past. And it was really cool to see. Loki in the war room back in the past when it's still Kang's faces on the wall. And there's a tape recorder in the room. In the present, they're using it to record B-15 and Mobius as they're giving their kind of testimony. uh, And they're having all this argument about what to do and beliefs and everything. But Loki in the past is alone in the room. He goes and plays the tape recorder and it's Kang. And he's talking. He... It's the Family Guy meme. He says it. He says Marvel. <laughs> yeah. Says it. Um, but we don't know who he's talking to at first. Loki ends up rewinding it, and he's talking to Ravona. Yeah. And basically saying, I want to rule by you. Um, they come up with the, the tagline for the TVA. He says, for all time. She responds, always, which mm-hmm. is the T- TVA slogan. Um, for anyone that's not aware of the comics, Ravona and Kang are a couple. Yeah, that that is a relationship, and it's a cursed relationship. Kang always wants to be with Ravona, but she either spurns him or she's killed. Yep, in basically every instance throughout time, she reincarnates, and it happens yep. every time. And so, we didn't get that full romance take in last season we got the idea Ravona really wanted to find the person behind everything she went off with Miss Minutes to do so yep but it's really cool to see that they are fully going down that pathway it is and uh I hope it's really explored and like shows a new side to Kang almost or at least this universe's Kang or this timeline's Kang 
I think it would be really cool. Yeah. Um, all right, so continuing through the episode, Loki eventually time splits into the war room where everyone is, reveals the Kang. We saw this shot in the trailer, reveals the Kangs behind the wall, kind of confirming a lot of what B-15 says. And a lot of that, just a lot of cool exposition, but really the coolest part is Loki's just freaking out throughout all this. Yeah. And he's he's talking about the... Was he right? We need to find Sylvie. What was, was this guy? Should we have killed him? Was it the wrong thing? I, more of these evil people are coming. Like he, you could tell he shook. Yes. He is worried. He is scared. And that's what we need. Yeah. We need that. It, it sells how big of a threat this is. The fact that a God, a literal <laughs> God yep. is shaking in his boots. Yep. It's just like, um, it's just like when a literal God was like kind of afraid to take down Thanos and couldn't. And it really gives Batman because he was so scared. Right. And it's, it's really, it's an important way to emphasize how badass a villain is, you know, and like how important and monumental they are. It's cool. And also just the Mobius for just being a good friend. Yeah. And when he like Loki reveals that Sylvie basically beat him, he says it like, Oh, so Sylvie won and Loki's like, No, no, it was a it, it was, was a draw. Tie. It was a draw. <laughs> but then he's like, wait, so you guys kicked each other through the door simultaneously. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And but then it's like but then it's like, Oh, don't worry, Ravona's done that to me, like yeah. don't worry, you're not the only one. Like kinda like it, it was a, Owen Wilson, once again, great. One of actor, my favorite actors. Yeah. Um, he's a he, I, I will say the entire humor between him and uh, Loki, uh, the entire episode was like top tier for me. I loved it. Yeah. yeah. No, the humor was great. Yeah. Like all, yeah, all throughout. Um, so they now are trying to figure out how to stop this time splitting. And also the scene in the elevator when, it, when it's yeah. like, how, how does it look? And he's He's at like, first, he's like, it's, it's not that bad. It's not, not that bad. bad he's at like, all. It's not that bad. Oh my god, I can't keep looking. I make dead pan over to the <laughs> yeah. poor girl that's in the, the elevator with them. Yeah. I was just like, it's hilarious. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. Uh, but they head down to Ouroboros. Yeah. Who? Ob. Yeah. Who? It's very interesting and kind of what all this is setting up with the past. The past TVA to the present and why they don't remember this experience with Loki. Is because Kang has wiped their memories. Right. Kang apparently has done this multiple times. It's happened. And how you can tell that is he's he's interacting with these characters in the past and they don't remember it at all. Right. Um, and then also when we get down to Ouroboros' room, he mentions that um, Mobius was the last person to visit him about 400 years before. Yep. Gave him his nickname. Wow. But Mobius does not remember ever being down here. He even right. mentions at a point, have I ever been down here before? He seems kind of, thinks he might have been, but isn't. I actually have a theory about this we'll talk about okay. as it happens. But they start talking about how to fix Loki. And Loki time slips back into the past and right. starts having a conversation with Obi. And he asks him if he can call him Obi. And he's like, ooh, I like that name. Yeah, I can call me Obi. So he gives him the nickname Obi. Right. He starts talking with him about how to fix um, how to fix the time slipping issue. The past Obi is like, well, you would need to do this. 
and then it will cut to Owen Wilson and the future Obi talking, and Obi will be like, well, we can't do that. Oh, wait, never mind. I have this machine right here all of a sudden. Right. Because past Loki had told this Obi that, oh, we need this, and then all of a sudden it kind of pushes forward Butterfly's effect into the future to wait. Oh, wait, now all of a sudden, wait, no, I did do that. Right. Um, so it's really cool kind of... I, I forget what the effect actually is called. Do you remember what that's time travel effect? Um, it's like the grandfather paradox or something? Something like that. I can't remember what it's called. Um, yeah, grandfather paradox. Grandfather. Yeah. Um, the idea, like, if you go in the past and you were to become your own grandfather, you have to con- constantly be in this loop of going into the past to... Right become your own grandfather that idea um and that's kind of what's happening here but where obi in the present said more mobius was the one that gave him the nickname we see through the situation was actually loki right so i think there is this kind of the past got changed yeah loki has now changed the past and affected the future through this and maybe it was Mobius originally, but now it's Loki, and that's why then also Mobius at first was like, yeah, I've been here before. Wait, no, I haven't been here before. Yeah. Because Loki changes it. Loki has caused it to change. Okay. Um, and also, the other big reveal here kind of with Obi is Obi is the only one that hasn't got his memory wiped. Yeah. Because he does remember 400 years in the past and all these things that are happening. So yeah. the kind of joke is he's so far out of the way... That even uh, King didn't realize yeah. he was there to wipe his memory. Yeah. Uh, which I think is going to become very important, in particular with a handbook that he gives Loki later in the episode. I agree. Um, but I'll let you, I've kind of been talking here for like 10 minutes straight. I'll let you okay. kind of take off from here. What did you think about Obi and kind of what happens next in the episode? Uh, Kiway was amazing as Obi. Um, he killed that character, that character, probably one of my favorite characters now. Um, uh, in just a little bit we saw of him, I, I thought Obi was just, just this like quirky, know-it-all type of guy that has this fun energy, but is still like you know serious, you know. And it's cool that, as we were just saying, it's like it's cool that he's been the same Obi for a long time and seems to remember things from the past, obviously. Um, and I think that that's going to, as we, as you just said, it's going to be really important uh, for the future of this season and for the success of our characters, that the fact that Obi is just, just this constant, the constant variable. And um, yeah, again, he's, on screen and chemistry wise, he is great. Yeah. Fantastic. It's also, it's worth mentioning Ouroboros, the name, uh, yep. if anyone listening does not know, is actually a mythological snake. Yep. Uh, you might have seen the imagery of it before of a snake eating its own tail. That yep. is Ouroboros. So it kind of also ties in with the name that he is this kind of constant cycling loop. And actually, this is some imagery I noticed when they. Showed the He Who Remains castle. 
mm-hmm. the the window, the big circular window, kind of almost had that image built into it. I kind of noticed that. Oh yeah, when it was shown at a point. I was like, oh, it's kind of an Ouroboros. That's cool. Um, I didn't yeah, notice that. So. Um, but yeah, so I'll, like I said, I'll, I'll let you kind of walk through a bit of the episode at this point because I've kind of been okay. I, I took um, over most of this first half, so I'll let you kind of take over the the back. No problem. So. Um, so when they figure out like a way to fix Loki's like time slipping after Loki's like been talking to past Obi and talking to Mobius through future Obi, it's interesting. Um, that whole thing is kind of funny because they're like cracking jokes a little bit and then they're like, (laughs) and then Mobius is like, Obi tells Mobius the only way to do it is by like linking with the time. I forget what it's called. Time something and linking this device to the times time stream, something, something or other. Uh, And the aura, I think the time they're trying to get his temporal aura temporal out of, yeah. Out of alignment. Um, yeah, alignment. and they need to interact with the temporal loom. Right. Which is what it's doing, how it's explained, is it's taking all the kind of timeline energy, and it's what's weaving it basically into, I guess, what should be the sacred timeline. Right. But now that there's all this extra temporal energy, this loom is kind of overloading. Yeah. Um, so it adds in a second issue of this idea that the loom might explode and destroy the TVA. Yes. And, uh, the funny thing about it was that, uh, Obi describes to Mobius that the only side effect is that you'll get really old, your skin will fall off and you will die. (laughs) And Mobius for the rest of the episode is like, always making these like off hand, like jokes or comments or like funny, like movements writing skin question mark in the dust on a computer. And I thought that that's just another funny thing that's developed the episode and the humor is great. I'm going to keep talking about the humor. The humor is great. And um, then beyond that point, after they've kind of like finalized on the whole aura shift thing. Um, They go over to the loom and see that it's like rupturing and like a, I guess an energy spike or something energy blast hits the window. And then Obi's like, okay, uh, we have like minutes. (laughs) We got to do something now. And he needs to shut the blast door so that it doesn't destroy the TV. Right. And, I thought it was really cool that it was kind of just like it showed that they needed to take initiative, that they needed to go like they needed to act on it immediately. And it's, uh, I think it's a thing that some shows currently can't like do very well, show urgency, show danger. And I think in this case, it was done very well. Yeah, and not only do they do that by saying, "Oh, there's only five minutes," you the whole setup is okay. Mobius, you need to walk out there, attach the loom to, or attach the device to the loom. Yep. And then when he does so at a very specific time, Loki's given like a timer. Loki, you need to prune yourself. 
Yes. So that you go out into that time energy and we can, the whole thing is it's just going to rip you out of there. And so you're then attached to the timeline like right. you're supposed it's to. It's like a factory reset. Yeah. But yeah. the issue is Loki time slips right before they're about to start right. the plan. Yeah. And, and Loki he doesn't go to the past it. this time. Yeah. He goes to the future. No. Right as. Which. Everyone's evacuating, and uh, Loki's just scuffling, trying to find a pruning stick or a time stick or whatever it's called, and he can't. He can't find one, and time is ticking down, and time is ticking down, and Mobius is tracking through space and energy blasts to get to that pylon, and... And despite all his jokes... He's staying out there to the last second trying he to He cares about his friend, yeah. He really yeah, does. Just, he is willing to risk that skin. Yep. Literally. He's <laughs> he <is>. willing. <laughs> he keeps telling Obi, no, we need more time. We need more time. Give me more time. I'm I'm not coming. I need more time. He will he will make it. Yep. And he potentially gets to the point where he does wait too long. Yep. And but it, it just shows how much friendship there is there. Absolutely. And um, and then we get to a scene where it seems like all hope is lost and Obi is like Mobius, we gotta we gotta shut the, the blast doors. I gotta you gotta come back in. Like it's time's up. You know, and Loki is still in the future frantically searching and his light goes green. And that means it's go time. You know, he has to prune himself. And right there, Obi's about to press the button. Mobius is kind of running back. He's like, all right, you know, it's time to go. Blast doors are shutting. And uh, we get this crazy drop um, of a moment where just as all things seem lost, uh, a phone starts to ring and which I thought was kind of cool. It was kind of like a matrix moment um, where he gets saved by someone emerging from an elevator. And who was that person? Sylvie. And it was really interesting to see. Um, well, Sylvie appears, but he's then stabbed from behind. Exactly. With a pruning from, stick, and we don't by see someone who else. actually does that. Yeah, and and it seems like that's going to come back around in the show for sure. Yeah. But yeah, so before we move on, yeah. I want to ask: Who's your theory? Who who pruned Loki so that he was able to be pulled back in time, so that most likely he can end up back there in the future, doing something in the future. I think Who it's Loki. Think? Yeah. So yeah. I know, uh, that's kind of the most likely scenario is yeah. Loki himself pruning himself. Grandfather paradox happening. He needs to prune himself in that moment so that he gets back so that he could be in that moment to prune himself to send him back. Right. My other theory, though, the more out there, I agree with you. I think it's Loki, but I've thought about this other theory because well, why, not why not throw out more ridiculous yeah. theories? What what would be our podcast if we didn't throw out ridiculous series? <laughs> yeah. Kang. Oh. Okay. Kang 
still controlling everything and controlling the moments and called the phone, got Loki to the point where he wanted to be, seeing Sylvie prunes Loki in that moment to mm. make sure he's okay. there, to maybe make sure that there's a final showdown in that moment. Whatever it is, he's still controlling things, and he sent him back. Yeah. So that's that would be my crazy. more out there theory. Yeah. It's most likely Loki grandfather paradoxing end up. Yeah. That would be that would be wild. I, I could see it. I could for sure actually see that. Like no. Kang knows what's about to happen if Loki doesn't get back and it could mess up his entire plan. So he needs to save Loki so that way he could possibly take over in the future. That's that's interesting. Yeah. It's the the only other theory I think that really makes any sense. Yeah. But then why would... If, if you go down like the other list of characters, I guess like Mobius would be just Grandfather Paradox idea again. Yeah. You could go like Ravona or Miss Minutes, but then that's still just basically Kang. That him just getting them to do it for him instead of him doing it himself. A second Sylvie wouldn't really make sense because it already yeah. seemed like the future Sylvie was the one climbing out of the elevator at that moment. Loki or Kang really seemed like the two I could also maybe see an Obi, like a future Obi doing it, but yeah, maybe not. Maybe not, yeah. I could see if one's got that kind of would just be too grandfather paradox yeah. it. Which yeah. I think at that point it just makes most sense for Loki himself to do yeah. it instead of any other. Like if the idea is to make sure he gets he's there in that moment to be stabbed to get sent back, it would make the most sense for Loki if you're going just pure grandfather paradox. If you're going puppeteer wanting to control it, make sure he's in that moment to send him back to make sure events happen the way they're supposed to go, that's Kang. Yep. Agreed. Um, but yeah, so Loki is pruned. He flies back out. Of, he gets pulled out of the temporal stream. His temporal aura is pulled back, crashes into Mobius. They make it inside the TVA just as the last doors are closing. Yep. And it was a good moment, I will say. It was like his his friend had come back to him, you know? it was It was cool. And Loki survived. Mobius is happy. And I think the episode just ends. Yeah, there was so few things we kind of gloss over. There's the part where B-15 goes back and the general and that other timekeeper are going after Sylvie and they're taking oh, out yeah. a bunch of pruning materials and stuff like that. Clearly and, setting up like an evil faction of the TBA. Right. Um, we've kind of we've seen that in the trailers. Some TVA units fighting Loki and Sylvie. That's yeah. probably that group. Um, so that is established. Um, but yeah, it does it does just kind of end there. It does kind of end in that moment. But we do get a mid credit sequence. Uh, very rare in Marvel TV shows. We don't get a lot of mid and end credit sequences. But we get Sylvie. Appearing outside a time door right after she killed Kang because she's in the outfit of the end of the episode. And a big note is the box that appears at the bottom tells us it's a branch timeline. It's the first time we've seen it say branch timeline. And she goes where everyone goes after murdering a god. 
uh, to McDonald's. Yeah. No. Yeah. She goes to McDonald's. Um, she just requests no, like, skunk or anything with the face. And the guy offers her chicken McNuggets, which, eh, you know, maybe in the 80s might have had some <laughs> of those meats in there. We don't know. Yeah. Um, there's there's some there's some rumors about those back in that time, you know, when they yeah. eventually had to say it was a hundred percent white meat chicken. Like, wait, what was it before? Yeah, I got questions. Wait, what, <laughs> it, what are you talking about? Um, so I feel like maybe there's a little like side humor mixed yeah, in there with trying sure. to play on that. Yeah. Um, but the big thing here is she basically says she wants to try everything. Kind of for the first time in her life, she's not being chased down or hunted. You can kind of see her looking at like the couple and the family and like seeing like what life can be. Yep. Um, and just kind of some relief kind of settling over. Like it's over. I, yeah. I achieved my goal. I, I killed the man I set. My whole life was set out to kill. Yeah. Um, and I can now live my life. Absolutely. And it's just, a, it seems like a nice moment for her, but. Uh, little does she know that it's not really over. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> she has caused chaos and yep. doesn't really have any idea she does until Loki's going to show up. Yeah. Um, my question, because connecting to trailers, mm-hmm. they're supposed to affect Loki's time slipping theoretically. Yeah. But we've seen shots in the trailer of him time slipping. We, such as two outside the jet ski sails. Yeah. Do you think he can just control it now? Do you think it's, they didn't actually fix it? What do you think? Do you think maybe the trailer was just throwing us off with some imagery? What What do you think? And this is a kind of question that kind of stuck with me. And I, I have my theory, but I, I wanted to hear it, see if you thought about this at all. I, uh, yeah, I was thinking about that. I think it's going to be either it's only outside of the TVA that he can do it type thing. Um, like if they, if they themselves walk through a door and go to a different timeline branch, um, then it'll start to happen again and he can do it more. Um, or it seems like a temporary fix and it comes back again until they can really resolve a problem. You know what I mean? Like, Maybe for an episode, he'll be fine. And then end of an episode, the last scene is him slipping away again. I think that would most likely be it. Yeah. But yeah. I can I could see that. My theory is, so the only person that probably, because as they said multiple times throughout, time slipping should not be possible in the TVA. Right. The only person that realistically could time travel in the TVA would be Kang. Right. Um, and... Loki was sent into the past using Kang's temporal pad. Yeah. I think Sylvie accidentally gave Loki some of Kang's powers. Oh, okay. And he, uh, what we were seeing here was he couldn't control it. It was just happening. I think he's going to be able to control it. Right. I think it's going to be intentional. I think... There's still maybe sometimes where it just happens or like maybe Kang does something and it causes him to slip and yeah. like it's connecting them. But I think essentially what the time slipping really is, is Kang's time traveling powers or ability to kind of manipulate time 
being manifested within Loki, and I think he will eventually be able to control it. One, upgrading him so that he can put up a fight against Kang, um, but two, also giving us a good character that can kind of be jumping into these different timelines and affecting, and maybe this is, maybe he goes back and gets the Fantastic Four and brings them forward, and it, it, he becomes the Nick Fury putting together the, the multiverse Avengers to fight Kang. And yeah, using this new power to jump through these times and find the heroes, and I, I'm once again out there theory. Probably more likely, it's what you said. It's just going to become a end of the episode. He slips away and goes somewhere else, and it's what starts the next story. That's probably the more likely scenario. But more your, out there theory, your he's theory gotten some of Kang's cool. power. <laughs> yeah, and it's upgrading him so that he can become a big figure in fighting Kang. Kind of because he has to. In my yeah. opinion, he has to be one of the lead Avengers fighting. I agree. Kang. I agree. I also think um, if they're doing this whole time slip type situation, I think there's room for him to reconnect with a Thor or Thor himself in a way. Yeah, um, I think he can connect with the Thor, the, yeah. the Chris Hemsworth, the one we know. There, there's nothing. Yeah, there's obviously the relationship. He, this Loki, only went up to Avengers 1. Yeah. But it clearly has changed, and I think it would be nice to have that reconnection, have that. Loki's clearly not going away. Right. And part of the reason I think Loki's not going away is Tom Hiddleston, kind of like Ryan Reynolds, has accepted and become the character and wants to own he creatively wants to own the character. He's an yeah. executive producer on the show. He gets to help make these decisions. He controls a lot. It's his best role he's ever done. Yep. He wants to keep doing it. He's a, one of the most popular characters. He's not going away. It's not Robert Downey Jr. who wanted to walk away from Iron Man, so they had to give him that goodbye moment. It's not right. Chris Evans who wanted to walk away from Captain America. Tom Hiddleston wants to keep doing this. Ryan Reynolds wants to keep being Deadpool. They want to create these characters and continue to have them be beloved. So I don't think Loki's going away. So we do need him back in kind of the modern. He he can't just always be in this kind of TVA side. That can be his main gig is the TV show. It can keep going for multiple seasons. But I I think he's going to go back to the main timeline and help in the fight against this. And maybe, maybe he eventually is the one that as he, who remains talked about, maybe he is the one at the end of all of this. That's watching over the timeline. That is the one. Maybe he Loki is the one that remains. Interesting. That would, yeah, I could see that. I could actually see that. It would be kind yeah, of. A, and I, I purely think a lot of this is just off the fact that Tom Hiddleston's bought into it. Tom Hiddleston has a lot of the creative control, and we know he's he not walking it. away from the role. And so yeah. Marvel's going to write that character into a lot of things out of popularity. Yep. And off of just, they know they don't have to worry about the actor being like, I'm done. I agree. I, I, I can't do any more of these. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, I definitely think. Tom Hiddleston 
fantastic job with the character. Best role he's ever had. Doesn't want to leave, and I don't think he should at all. So I could definitely no. see him continue to be in parts. No, everywhere. he's smart. Hey, I got a great role. I love it. It's fun. Yeah. It's my by far my best role I've ever done. I'm just going to keep doing it. Unlike yeah. other actors like, now. I got to go do other stuff. And for the most part, a lot of them have not done great stuff outside of Marvel. I hate to it's say true. it. I like a lot of the actors, but... You know, there are I mean, some even Robert misses. Downey Jr., who's amazing, hasn't his lead movies outside of Marvel haven't done well. Yep. Do little. Do you remember that one? Yeah. <laughs> remember Do Little? That was a Robert was, Downey uh, Jr. movie. The best bad. thing he's done was be supporting actor in Oppenheimer. Yeah, he was fantastic in Oppenheimer. He was. Fa- he's been yeah. fantastic in everything he's done, but it doesn't sell. Yeah. Oppenheimer's different, but that's yeah. it's on front. But Robert Downey Jr. led movies don't sell like anything he did with Marvel. That's true. Chris Evans, everything he's done outside of Captain America in recent. They, remember, you know, remember he did an Apple TV show with Ana de Armas? I did. Anyone watch it? I nope. did not. <laughs> no one yeah. did because it's just like he, I've heard he was good in it. Yeah. I've heard he's, he's great in most things. He was great in the Snowpiercer movie. No one watched that movie because Chris Evans was in it. Um, Scarlett Johansson, she's done incredible acting things outside of us, but nothing has been as critical of a success. And it's just, I think Tom Middleton has realized my success is here. Right. And I'm not going to leave it for maybe other things when I've got my stardom. Yep. I've got, I got my gig. I, I'm going to just keep doing this. And he likes what he's doing and he likes the character. So. I, yeah. I think it's a win-win-win situation. Yeah. Uh, but we probably should wrap this up because we're nearing an hour and 45 yeah. minutes <laughs> off this podcast. Um, final thoughts about episode one and what do you think is going to happen with the show? Uh, I thought episode one was fantastic. I will eagerly be waiting for the next episodes to come out um but as far as what i think is going to happen uh i see so many different like possibilities in this show um which is kind of what i think they want us to feel like um and as of right now this show could go six different ways in my mind but we'll just have to see i think the next episode will probably bring some more clarity to the current situation. Um, but until then, I'm kind of in the dark, but I kind of like that. I kind of like that. No, I'm, I'm with you there. Um, I loved episode one. I, yeah. Like I said, visually it was fantastic. Acting-wise, I, I could continue to talk about yeah. it and continue to go. I think we're going to see a lot of this Ouroboros idea. Yeah. Uh, grandfather paradox. I mean, we already kind of got a hint of one of the big things with Victor Timely, the Kang variant, from the Ant-Man post-credit scene from the trailers, he's showing the temporal loom in the yeah. past. Like, that's literally the object he's showcasing. Yeah. So it's clearly, I think we're going to get a lot of this idea of what's going on. What I want to see, and the number one thing I want out of this episode, is establishing Kang as the threat he should be. Okay. Because Ant-Man did not do the villain justice. I agree. He who remains... Established it great. Ant-Man fumbled the ball. 
this show, and it's already off to the right bat with, once again, just the fact of how shaken Loki was yep. coming back from his experience and this idea. We need to see how much of a threat Kang really is. I agree. And I will say, though, I think with a character that has millions of variants, I think it's okay. Uh, which I guess is a kind of a hot take for the Marvel people, but I think it's okay that the Ant-Man Kang was not was not him, you know? And I think that's okay. The issue is they sold him as he was going to yeah. be the, the yeah. big bad Kang. Yeah. That, that's the problem. But if he comes, say like that Kang all of a sudden is the one revealed to be the one pulling all the strings here from him getting sucked into that port and maybe becoming one with time or whatever they want to do to explain it. And, but they just establish even if it's that King and show him as the threat here, that's what I need from this show. Yeah. Everything else I know is going to be great. I trust in everything about this, but I need to see King as the threat. He should be my, yeah, I agree. I completely agree. I think this show desperately needs to establish uh, Kang being the end-all, be-all badass that Thanos was, and more, I think. If they want success, that's what needs to happen. And the other thing we're going to need coming out of this, obviously, he wasn't a huge... His his face was a presence here. Yeah. We're going to need an answer on Jonathan Majors coming out of this. Yes. Because he's going to play a role here. It's going to be establishing Kang more as a character. Marvel's going to have to give us an answer one way or another. Whether the legal case is settled or not, is the plan to move forward with him? Is the plan to recast? Are you waiting for the... you got to say something. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's outside of the show, but I know by the end it's of this week, we, we are going to need the answer because we're yeah. going to have more of the story. And... Should we be invested in Jonathan Major's portrayal of this character, or should we be preparing ourselves for a new actor to take the role? Absolutely. So, all right. Any last thoughts? Um. Yeah my my I I think my 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 big like what if for the show would be if Ouroboros was Kang. Um, and that explains why he still has his memories, and that's why he's kind of there for all the big moments, but is in the shadows. Um, that's when I was watching the show. I completely forgot about it until I was looking at my notes. Yeah. Um, he hate Quan all of a sudden becomes the big bad villain. <laughs> yeah. But he, yeah, I, I would take it. I don't, yeah. honestly, I'd, I'd love his character. So yeah. I'd absolutely take it. I think it I mean, would he be has really the silliness that he remains had. Yeah. Uh, we, we can't forget. He remains was a kind of, kind of silly character. Yeah. And he had, he had humor to him. Yeah. And he was goofing. And just dancing on a table, <laughs> and uh, but yeah, I don't know. That would be my far out there idea of at the end of the show. It reveals that Obi has been Kang in disguise this whole time. Yeah, I guess I would like to know officially what Miss Minutes is. Yeah, because um, obviously, like she's working with Kang. She's there's got to be something a bit deeper to Miss Minutes, like a, a bigger character kind of hiding underneath there i agree I, I would like to i would like to find out officially who miss minutes is and my guess is she's some like celestial entity yeah like, along the lines of like death and things like that yeah maybe even death herself just that's the image she's presenting interesting um, 
I, I could, cause I mean, Kang's causing death and yeah. we didn't do that storyline with Thanos of like him being in love with death. Like that's yeah. like Thanos storyline. And that's why he does. Maybe they're transferring that to Kang. That would be interesting. That could be kind of crazy. Actually, that could be, could be kind of crazy, but I, I want to know. I, I don't think that is what it is. I could see that, but I, I want to know who miss minutes really is. That yeah. I guess would be the other big thing I want to answer from season two. Absolutely. All right. Um, remember when I said we might not cover an hour? <laughs> yeah. Almost two hours. Here we now. are, an hour 48 minutes. Yep. Um, where can people find you? People can find me everywhere at A Sacred Skull, uh, live on Twitch uh, at least two times a week. Uh, I got a YouTube channel, A Sacred Skull. Uh, come talk movies, TV shows, etc. with me on Twitter. Tweet at me, at A Sacred Skull. Yep, that's about it. Yeah, um, I haven't been streaming much, um, but if you want, um, I don't know if the VOD is up. It probably is at this point. Uh, if you go check out Games Done Quick's YouTube, you can find me. Uh, part of I did a four-man team, Archipelago, which is cross-world, multi-world. I was playing Snap, and I was sending people that were playing Kingdom Hearts 2 and Ocarina of Time items by winning Snap games. Um, they were sending me cards to use in Snap. So go check it out. It was a fun time. We only finished one of the four games in three hours, but we had a lot of fun. Um, so go check that out. Uh, also go check out fantasyfootballgamers.com. You can find my fantasy football rankings. Currently top 10 accuracy in quarterbacks and tight ends through the first four weeks. Wow. So just uh, don't ask about the rankings. This guy's knowledge. And running backs. <laughs> just don't ask about that. Those two aren't doing as well. <laughs> quarterbacks and tight ends. Woo! Woo. All right, but if you somehow made it through an hour and 50 minute episode, we appreciate you. Yeah. Thank we you. love you. You're the real homie. Uh, tell your friends. Give, get more people listening. Ask questions at the Twitter, at MediaVersePod. Yeah, I forgot to check the Twitter before we started. I don't know if people tweeted at us. I don't think uh, so. But if you're listening to this right now, you can. Right now. Do yeah. it. Write a question. Yeah, right now. We it. probably will not talk for an hour and 50 minutes next time. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, no guarantees because we'll have two new Loki episodes to discuss. But yep. once again, thank you. We appreciate you. As always. And have a good rest of your day. Much love, everyone.